You're listening to Deep Breaths, updates from chest on ReachMD. This series is produced in partnership with the American College of Chest Physicians. The following episode was recorded live at the 2019 Annual Chest Conference in New Orleans. Now, here's your host, Dr. Nick Hanania. Hello, I'm your host for this discussion, Dr. Nick Hanania. I'm an Associate Professor of Pulmonary Critical Care Medicine and Director of the Airways Clinical Research Center at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. And joining me to discuss the advances in diagnosis and treatment of COPD that were presented at the 2019 annual chess meeting is Dr. Neil Friedman. Dr. Friedman is the division head of the Pulmonary Critical Care Allergy and Immunology at North Shore University Health System in Evanston, Illinois. Dr. Friedman, it's great to have you uh, here today, and I think our colleagues will really enjoy listening to our conversation. Well, Nick, thank you for inviting me to participate. I'm looking forward to our conversation as well. Great. So let's just dive right into this topic, Neil. Uh, What advances in the diagnosis and treatment of COPD have been discussed in this year's CHEST conference? Well, Nick, actually there are quite a bit of discussion and lots of sessions. Uh, Specifically, there were several sessions on approaches to reducing admissions and readmissions for patients with COPD, including a session that I was privileged to be a part of with several experts from both the United States and Canada. We had a couple of sessions on the appropriate use of non-invasive ventilation in patients with chronic respiratory failure and COPD. There are a couple of sessions on the role of the use of peak inspiratory flow rate for determining the most appropriate inhaler therapy for a given patient, session on female gender and the burden of COPD, session on the pharmacologic uncertainties that still face us when we're treating our patients with COPD. And then finally, there were some recent data published on the New England Journal of Medicine article on the role of beta blockers in reducing the risk of exacerbations and deaths in patients with moderate to severe COPD. Uh, Interestingly, in this randomized controlled trial, the use of beta blockers among patients with COPD who didn't have an indication for this medication class, beta blockers did not reduce the risk to first exacerbation, and actually it was associated with more frequent hospitalizations. I don't know, Nick, anything else from your experience at the meeting that I missed? Yeah, no, I think it's it's great that you summarized all this in, in that just short period of time. I think we're learning and continue to learn a lot about, you know, diagnostic approaches. And in fact, there are some new data emerging about the use of radiologic biomarker and imaging in, in the subtyping of COPD. You know, as you know, Neil, for many years, we looked at this disease as a one-phase uh, fits or one-phase disease. And and we approached it, and we'll talk about treatment in a few minutes, but we approached it as, as one disease. But in fact, there are multiple phenotypes. And I think uh, the more biomarkers we have, including radiologic biomarkers, I was impressed with some data that were presented on uh, radiologic biomarkers and CT scan imaging uh, in subtyping these patients. Of course, clinically, as clinicians, me and you, we, we see these patients come in, and they don't look the same, not only feature-wise, but symptom-wise, and they don't respond the same to treatment. So I think one has to be thinking outside the box. And then some of these presentations really highlighted the need for us to to do so now in, in the year 2019. So uh, as I understand, Neil, a significant update uh, come, uh, they comes, uh, comes from the GOLD strategy in 2019, and some of which were presented at CHEST. And, and what, what can you tell us about that? 
Actually, many of the sessions, the updated gold strategy recommendations were discussed. And as you know, there's even a, a 2020 version that should be coming out shortly. But, but some of the highlights included the appropriate use of pharmacologic therapy. And as you recently discussed, you know, adjusting therapy based on symptoms and exacerbation, appropriate use of non-invasive ventilation, and even a, a section on self-management and behavioral changes that's been added to some of the more recent gold strategies. The newest version of the gold strategies are actually focusing more on how to personalize therapy based on several factors, as you had discussed, uh, including, you know, phenotypes and, and, and not treating it as the same therapy for everybody, but actually up titrating and down titrating pharmacologic interventions based on symptoms, exacerbations, and where patients fall along the spectrum of their disease. Yeah, and, and you know some of the some of the things that uh, came up from gold are still controversial. I hope you agree. But uh, you know the use of biomarker. I was mentioning those uh, radiologic biomarker. But you know when it comes to, for example, use of blood eosinophil and and the cut off that uh, they recommend using to justify using inhaled corticosteroids, for example. It's still uh, up in the air. There are lots of, uh, I don't know what your take on this, if you have any. Um, should we be using blood eosinophils in managing these severe patients? And are they going to tell us anything about adding treatments like inhaled steroids? Um, that's still a question out there. You know, the GOLD committee, obviously, they're not guidelines. They suggest we do. And someone with uh, um, blood ears more than 200 uh, and with recurrent exacerbation, they re de definitely recommend an inhaled corticosteroid agent on board, while someone with uh, blood ears less than 100, they recommend not to use inhaled steroid in these patients. It, it's also interesting that Gold now is really emphasizing something that we've missed for a long time is the delivery systems. Uh, were you um, impressed with anything at, uh, at the chess meeting about the inhaled delivery? And you mentioned uh, PIFR or PIFR or peak inspired to fluorate, and uh, were there any data that suggest that that's important in selecting a delivery system? I, I guess the, the the real question is 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 does picking an inhaled medication and the device does it really change meaningful outcomes? And you know whether that's admissions, readmissions, exacerbations. You know based on the literature that's out there, specifically looking at the use of peak inspiratory flow rate. In this disease, it's not really clear yet that using peak inspiratory flow rate changes those meaningful outcomes. Theoretically, it makes a lot of sense to me in that we probably should be thinking about how to modify our certain types of therapy based on what's happening with changes in their physiology during an acute exacerbation. I just don't know that we have a lot of data to support that. For those just joining us, this is ReachMD. I'm Dr. Nick Hanania, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Neil Friedman about the latest updates on COPD that were presented at the 2019 annual chest meeting in New Orleans. So, Neil, uh, let's carry on and, and discuss. We discussed uh, nicely about some of the advances that were covered at CHEST in 2019. I'd like to turn our attention to the treatment. I know you started discussing uh, treatment and exacerbation. As we, you know, Neil, uh, COPD exacerbation continued to haunt many of our patients and, of course, us and the healthcare system. Were there any treatment strategies in managing exacerbation that were uh, discussed at CHEST that you want to bring up? Yeah, I think that you know, some of the strategies are, are common sense strategies. So, you know, the first, and we've 
discussed this a little bit today. You know, the first is just to better manage patients at baseline to avoid exacerbations in the first place. And this, in part, I think could be achieved by following the recommendations of the updated gold strategies. Uh, we actually had a, a great session that was myself, Jean Bourbeau, Valerie Press, and Moit Butani. That was a uh, panel discussion specifically focused on reducing admissions and readmissions. We spent a lot of time emphasizing, you know, proper inhaler choice and especially re-educating patients over and over again on the appropriate uh, use of uh, inhalers and inhaler techniques. We, you know, we talked a little bit about peak inspiratory flow rate, which you and I have discussed earlier today, and we also talked a little bit about the role of phenotyping to try to determine the best personal therapy for a given patient. But I think at the end of the day, you know, if we could identify more patients by the use of spirometry and really you know, follow the, the, the guideline-based therapy and, and, and educate our patients over and over again about how to use their inhalers appropriately, I think that would go a long way to improving meaningful outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, of course, one thinks about managing exacerbation would just think about medication. There's so many other things, including, you know, the inhaler devices, the uh, the education piece uh, that sometimes we miss, even though it doesn't cost too much. Uh, uh, and, of course, the delivery systems that you mentioned. We, we also discussed at the chest meeting uh, the role of bronchodilators. As you know, it's emerging now. We have tons of bronchodilators out there with different combinations. I think those are very effective, but alone they don't do too much uh, without the other interventions that you mentioned. Well, you know, there is some trend now to look at personalized treatment traits. Uh, it's not just the phenotypes, but also how the patient's symptoms are and, uh, and um, comorbidities, which are very important. And um, any takes on this uh, from the conference? Yeah, again, I think uh, some of the stuff we've already covered, but I think, you know, for patients with recurrent exacerbation or, ho- or hospitalizations, and those with, with whether it's an eosinophilic or asthmatic phenotype, I do think there is a role for the inhaled steroid or triple therapy in these individuals, but I do like the fact that the the newer gold strategy recommendations you know, really limit uh, the use of inhaled steroids to specific subgroups of individuals. Uh, I think there may, there may be a role for some biologic somewhere down the road, although that I still don't know that we have enough data to to clearly support the use of biologics in these individuals. Yeah, and I agree with you. I agree. Right now, we're not really, you know, we've done some good advances in severe asthma, but in COPD so far, nothing really is promising, but hopefully we will have some more treatments for these patients, especially those very severe COPDers. Uh, but, but you know, I, the, from the personalized approach, I think one has to keep an eye on uh, on comorbidities. We, I chaired a session on uh, psychological comorbidities of COPD at chest, and we discussed the depression, anxiety, and us as pulmonologists, we sometimes forget about it, and it's very important, but of course other comorbidities are important to keep in mind. Well, unfortunately, Neil, we are running out of time, but before we go, uh, if you could give one call to action to our colleagues who are listening about diagnosis and treatment of patients with COPD, what would that be? Actually, uh, Nick, I have four. I can't really prioritize them, but I think one would be to educate our non-pulmonary specialists to increase the use of spirometry to diagnose patients earlier in the course of their disease. 
you know, two, to continue to push for tobacco cessation and further education, three, educating our patients on proper inhaler technique to improve symptoms and outcomes, and then finally, you know, continuing to push for additional support for pulmonary rehabilitation. Well, I couldn't think of a better way to wrap our discussion today than with these great calls of action. Uh, um, Sorry, let me repeat. Well, I couldn't think of a better way to wrap our discussion today than with uh, with these uh, remarks and call to action. So with that, I'd like to thank Dr. Neil Friedman for joining me to discuss emerging breakthroughs in the management of COPD. Uh, Neil, it was great speaking with you today. And Nick, it was great speaking with you, and thanks for having me. I'm Dr. Nick Hanania, and thanks for listening. That was Deep Breaths. Updates from Chest, produced in partnership with the American College of Chest Physicians. To access other episodes of this series, visit ReachMD.com chest, where you can be part of the knowledge.